Welcome to Window of Opportunity, a Stargate rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 5, Episode 3, Ascension. Otherwise known as the cheesy romance novel of an episode that you love <laughs> the, to hate to love. The, the Sam gets another alien boyfriend episode. Yes. <laughs> this is number three, I think. Mm-hmm. Martouf, uh, Nareem, Orlin. I don't think there's anybody else. But I definitely, yeah. this, this is definitely an episode that I love to hate to love because... <laughs> <laughs> I totally dig cheesy romance novels, but, you know, it's just, it's so creepy. (laughs) And also, but I mean, but he's also Sean Patrick Flannery, so. Oh, so do you really mind the creepiness level? I know. (laughs) I mean, we should. We really, really should. Yes, that is the key, is that we should. We should mind. Yes. However, yes. All right. Proceed. Okay. So this is Ascension. It originally aired on July 13th, 2001. It was written by Robert C. Cooper and directed by Martin Wood. And on the commentary, we have Martin Wood, James Titchener, and drumroll please, Amanda Tapping! Really? That's exciting. Yeah, so we got some fun stuff in this episode. Did she have a lot to say? Yeah, definitely more than Chris. Like, like more than just witty commentary that, like, Ah. Christopher Judge provided, so. Oh, fantastic. All right, cool. All right, so in this episode, after a mission to Valona, where they find a weapon capable of defeating the Gould, Major Samantha Carter is followed by an ascended being named Orlin, who warns her not to use the weapon. That's actually a pretty good summary. Yeah, that one's not too bad. Yeah. So we open with SG-1 on an alien planet, poking around as they do. It looks like a fairly large city in ruins with some sort of possible like temple-like structure in the middle. Uh, Daniel's doing his thing, trying to translate some text that seems to be completely different from like the rest of the city. Like this, this central structure that they're at is very sort of structurally different from the rest of the city. Um, he mentions trying to carbon date some of it to compare the differences. And Jack's just like, how long is that going to take? And Daniel's like, how long How, how long for what? And Jack's just like, all of it. And Daniel's like, hours, weeks, days, months. You, I don't know. Just a very long time. And so. <laughs> the eternal sci-fi question of how long will it take? 15 minutes? Okay. Yeah. So Jack and Tilt kind of walk off in separate directions and Daniel kind of keeps muttering to himself and is like, well, I, I could have something by lunch, I guess, if, if you want. I don't <laughs> I I think Jack is bored, basically, at this point. Probably. Um, so like sort of like right behind Daniel, there's like an actual like enclosed structure as part of this. And uh, Jack goes in to find Sam poking at some kind of machine looking thing there's sort of a a central bit to it that's got a sort of wide pedestal that kind of narrows and ends with this sort of red crystal looking thing at the top um and then there's sort of little bits sort of around the edges of it uh and jack asks her how long she'll need and she has no idea because this thing is like very like very advanced and jack's like so two hours right and she's like very, very advanced. advanced. <laughs> he gives about the same answer as yeah. Daniel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he kind of leaves her to it with a warning to not turn it on and says that he and Tilk are going to go check out the nearby town just in case there's any other clues there as to like what this place was. Maybe somebody's hiding. Who knows? Uh, so after they leave, Stan. Wait, I love the moment uh, where like he turns around and he's like, what is, what is the little clip that happens there where she goes to like poke at something? And he's like, hey. What did I just say? Don't turn, turn it, on. it on. I just, I like little um, moments like that. I think. That's oh, funny. yeah. It's, yeah. He just goes, ah, what did I say? You know, yeah. a little, ah, that, you know, Jack has. I, I like those Jackisms. They're fun. Me too. Yeah. Um, so after Jack leaves, Sam starts, like, she pulls open some panels, starts kind of poking around a bit. And then there's this kind of strange gust of wind and like the camera changes to the point of view of someone or something hovering up near the ceiling like looking down at her and she kind of like looks around because that wind was weird but she doesn't see anything and kind of keeps poking around and then the the point of view camera like swoops down towards her uh we cut 
back outside to Daniel who calls to Sam to ask if she's done with the camera yet, but she doesn't answer. So he goes to check on her and finds that she is unconscious. So grabs the radio, calls for Jack as we cut to the opening credits. Yeah, not good when you find somebody unconscious in the middle of a room. No, for no apparent reason. Yeah. Right. No. Yeah. So we come back from the opening credits in the infirmary back at the SGC, and Sam is telling Dr. Frazier that she apparently has no memory or idea of why she passed out. She was just poking around the machine, and then she woke up. Uh, she thinks maybe she touched something on the device, so maybe there was some kind of shock, but there's no physical evidence of that. Dr. Frazier suggests fatigue, and Sam's like, you said I was fine to go on this mission. And Dr. Frazier's like, well, maybe I was wrong about that. And Sam tries to keep arguing that she really is fine when Dr. Frazier lists all of the stuff that she's been through. Well, not even all of the stuff, but just some of the high points of what has happened to Sam over the last few years. So she goes, at least consider what you've been through the last few years. You've had a Tokra symbiote die in your brain. Your memory has been stamped and your entire consciousness has been transferred out of your body into a computer and then back again. And that's just for starters. Eventually it has to take its toll, which... Yeah, fair, fair point. Very fair point. But for now, Sam's good to go with a reminder from Dr. Frazier to come back if she starts speaking in a foreign language. So, yep, it would have been funnier if they did a call back to that joke with her talking in another language later, but no. <laughs> no. Uh, so we then cut up to the briefing room where Jack and Daniel are talking with Hammond and returning character, Colonel Reynolds, newly promoted from major and from Area 51 to be the new head of SG-16, which is a scientific unit. Um, and they're talking about, you know, the planet and what they found. And according to Daniel, the I guess the sort of the main civilization of the planet could be about 3000 years old, but that other structure was only about 400 years old which could be a very strong indication that at some point they uncovered their Stargate, which would have led to a giant leap in like technology and like scientific understanding of stuff. Uh, the device that Sam found seems to be from that same time and could have been the cause of their downfall, either through their own means or because the ghoul found out they were advancing technologically and then wiped them out because that's what they do. Um, right. A uh, fun bit from the commentary here. So, one of the things when like James Titchener is on and we have like a first time director on the commentary, he always asks them about directing in the briefing room because it's not a very fun place to shoot because it's just a conference table in the middle of a room. And there's only so many ways you can like shoot that from, you know, a filming perspective. So he, he took the opportunity to ask Amanda about acting in the briefing room and like oh, how they nice. feel about it. Um, and according to Amanda, uh, so the briefing room is at like the top of the set and the airflow's not great up there. So if they're up there for a very long time, there's kind of a sort of lack of oxygen situation. And it's just like giggle fest, like by the end of the shooting day, because they're just tired and like woozy from like lack of air. <laughs> from lack of oxygen in the room? Well, because like the, cir like the circulation, yeah. I mean, it's not like they're on the top of a mountain or something, but like, you know... Just the air circulation isn't great up there, so it can get very difficult to shoot in there for, like, very long periods of time, because they just get a little stupid and giggly. That's one of the oddest things I've ever heard. <laughs> well, there you go. All right. Yeah. You'd think someone would have pointed that out at some point, and they would have tried to fix it, but uh, that always makes me laugh about stuff like that we're like oh the working conditions in this room were terrible and at some point in time somebody wasn't like hey let's get a fan <laughs> well see fans make noise so yeah. well, you, know. you know what i mean i know yeah so unfortunately they still have like no idea what that device that sam found is uh tanner's like it could be just like an observatory or as jack thinks a big honking space gun and daniel's like cool probably would have taken that so I, this episode is prime with daniel jackson comeback lines that i yes. love he's got two or three of them yeah oh one, one of my of favorites them. is coming up later yeah yes i think we agree this might be like my favorite daniel jackson comeback quip ever but yeah no the, he's got some really good singers in this episode that being yes. one of them i think the ghoul would have taken that yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so Sam then comes in and adds that like the power source to the 
to that device seems to be missing, but she thinks they can use like an acquitted generator if they want to try and turn it on. And Jack's just like SG 16 is on the case, kind of like shutting Sam down a little bit, which is, it's a little weird, like what's going on right now. Yeah. Um, but, and then Hammond's like, I don't even want to try turning it on until we know what it is, which thank you, Good George. Call. Good call. Yeah. Uh, Sam then requests permission to join SG-16, like back on the planet, but is denied. Uh, Daniel will be staying on base to help with translating, but everybody else is on leave until SG-1 gets their next mission. Aha. Sam tries to insist that she's like totally fine. Like she tries to appeal to Hammond and he's like, no, you're on leave. Go just get out of here. Uh, she goes to like kind of talk to Jack a bit and is, you know, he again tells her, go relax, have fun. She's like, I'm fine. I'm not tense. Who says I'm tense? I'm not, am, am, am I tense? And he's like, a little, a little, you know, maybe yeah, a, yeah, a little. Yeah. And I love that she, and, he, and she just at one point goes, when did you notice? And he goes, as we met. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, but again, he's like, just go home, like, relax, get a hobby, try golfing, fly a kite, take up knitting, like, just get out of here and do something that's not work. Not this. That's not this. Uh, so we follow Sam home, and we see uh, Sam has one of the coolest cars ever, which is a vintage 1961 Volvo P1800. Ooh. Very cool car. Um, and then we kind of follow her inside where uh, she has no messages on her entering machine. And we also at one point get that same point of view shot of whatever was on the planet observing her. So apparently whatever this is has followed her back to Earth and is being a bit of a creepy McCreeperson. So at this house. point in time, I thought it was interesting because I thought... Because I didn't, of course, I didn't remember this fully from this episode, but I thought that, like, whatever had happened to her when she passed out, before I realized what episode this was, before, um, I thought something, like, went inside of her, and that's how it got back. So the fact that it was oh. outside of her body still observing her, I thought was very interesting. Oh, okay, Until, you thought there was some sort of, like, possession situation. Right, yes. Until okay. Until I saw... Um, you know, what, realized what episode it was. And then I was like, okay. oh, it's this one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, okay. that's what I originally thought. Okay. I mean, that that's not a bad thought given what past episodes have done for the show. Yeah. Uh, we then get uh, a shot of her, like she's in the bathroom brushing her teeth at night. And that thing like in that happens in horror movies happens here where like the camera like sort of pan from one side of the bathroom to the other sort of crossing the the door that goes into her bedroom. And there's just like the silhouette of some dude standing there. Uh, but then when Sam turns around, like mere seconds later, the, the guy is gone. And it's sort of like, it's got a really horror vibe to it. And I don't like it. Um, but yay for Sam on her own house. I know. Okay. Here. So two bits from the commentary here. Uh, so that was actually Sean Patrick Flannery as just like the dude standing in silhouette in mm. the bedroom rather than just like some sort of stand in or stunt double. Um, and then Amanda did talk about the house because she had always felt that Sam would live in a rather sort of Spartan, just like apartment because she's always on base. She's always doing things. She wouldn't really have like a home, you know, mm-hmm. um, especially not one that's sort of filled with all of this stuff. So according to Amanda, this house is actually Jacob's house. And when he left to go join the Tokra, she sort of just moved in and like took over the mortgage and just like moved into her dad's house. Oh, that would totally work. It would also yeah. fit with the various pictures of the two of them together, like when she was younger. Yes. Which, cool thing, all of those photos are like actual family photos of like Amanda Tapping's family and Carmen Argenziano's family. So like that's Carmen with his stepdaughter as like the young oh, um, as the young Sam and like Amanda with her brother and like her grandmother and like all of that stuff. So Oh cute. Yeah. Um oh and she also mentioned like a bunch of the other stuff in there. So yeah, so besides the family photos, a bunch of the other just sort of like trinkets and knickknacks are actually like gifts she's gotten from fans at like conventions and things. Like she mentioned, like oh. some quilts and like some statuettes and stuff. It's just a way to be like, thanks for your support, you know, kind of a thing. So, like, oh, that was would... nice. Yeah, they gave her that. Yeah. So, that 
It's actually a really cool idea. I know. I was like, oh, yeah. she's so she's just she's just like the nicest person ever. She's so yeah. Great. yeah. Um, okay, so the next morning she goes out to pick up her newspaper, and the, the that like camera trick happens of like it's on her. You see the street is empty. The camera pans down to follow her picking up the newspaper as she stands up. Suddenly there's just a man standing in the middle of the street, Sean Patrick Flannery, ladies and gentlemen. Also, I would like to point out she's wearing, like, the quintessential 2000s outfit of, oh, yeah. of the tank top thing with, like, the sheer button yep. down over the top of it with some mm-hmm. jeans. You know, the cut yep. of everything is just very, very of the time. Yes, I very just, much. Very, it's it's very much a trademark of that time period. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so anyway, this, this, this dude, he's kind of, he's kind of weird and awkward and he like, this is high. And she's like, are you from around here? And he's like, no, but this is your house. And she's like, yeah. uh-huh, I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna go back inside now. I'm like, bye. Cause that, that's a very weird thing to say to somebody. Uh, so she like goes back inside, but then when she peeks back through the curtain, he's gone. So, uh, that, mm-hmm. that was weird. What the, I, I don't know. Um, so she's then like, it's been 12 hours. Let me call Daniel and see how the translation is going. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, my God, it's so amazing. It holds all the secrets to the universe. <laughs> and she's like, OK, you just got in. You haven't started yet. I'm sorry. I'll leave you alone. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Daniel quip. Yes. Um, yeah, especially because, like, the shot, like, when we, like, pan, cut over to the SGC and Daniel, he's, like, rushing into his office with his, like, arms full of books, cup of coffee. He, like, half spills the coffee as he sits down to try and pick up the phone. And it's just, like, yeah, he just got here. So, like, give him some time. Yeah. Um, so she, like, hangs up the phone, turns around, and the man from outside is now in her kitchen. With no explanation. Nope. Uh, she is appropriately freaked out, starts dialing the phone, and he's, like, please don't I'm harmless I'm not gonna hurt you but then also mentions that he's been in her house all night watching tv and reading books so that he would know how to dress and talk and that's just like she's like you have been in my house all night and you think that's a good thing to talk like this is not going well um and then he says that he actually used to look like this before his ascension which that is a very interesting thing to say Mm -hmm. um also, he can walk through solid objects. So he just, like, walks through her kitchen counter. Uh, he also says his name is Orlin. He's from the planet that they were just on. And he followed her back through the Stargate because he loves her. Which <laughs> Sam very rightly flees her house because what the fuck, dude? Like, Although, I mean, yes, all of those things are very creepy and weird. But I don't know. I, obviously, I would not have known what to do in this situation. But if he says very calmly, like, I was just on the planet you were on and I followed you back through the Stargate, I was waiting for some sort of recognition of, like, oh, okay, this is, like, this is, like, a first encounter situation. And I, w- I kind of expected her to, like, calm down a little bit and go into like first contact type mode of like let's be calm let's talk this out let's figure it out instead she just continues to be freaked out yeah well she does say like sort of in the next scene that like um i think she was planning to call the sgc but there was something happened and like her phone stopped working like the house like the landline so she like couldn't call anybody to get help um so, so the next scene, there's then this sort of uh, surveillance crew at the SGC. They're sort of looking things over, installing surveillance equipment. They obviously they don't find Orlin. Sam's explaining everything that happened to Jack and that she knew she had to get a Code 3 team over to her house ASAP. So that's apparently who these guys are. Then, uh, like, right now Jack's on her side on this. Like, it's all good. Like, he, she's, he's like, you did the right thing. It's fine. Um the surveillance team is done and they have things set up so they can keep an eye on things from down the street. Jack offers to stay for a bit, but Sam's like, you know, Orlin has only shown himself to me. So you go, I'll be fine. So mm-hmm. like, okay. Um, 
we then get some sort of various surveillance shots of like of Sam's house over the course of a few days. So we like, you know, she's in different clothing so we can see there's like been a, a passage of time for a while um, before we head back to the SGC. Um, Jack comes into Daniel's office where Tilk is also there and Daniel asks how Sam is to which Jack replies that there's been no evidence of the guy that she claims she saw. Daniel then looks up, looks directly at Jack and asks again, how's Sam? <laughs> like mm-hmm. not how's the situation? How's Sam? Yes. Um, apparently, uh, general Hammond has now recommended a psyche eval and like, no, Jack doesn't think she's crazy, or at least not any crazier than the rest of them are. So I don't think this always just at this point in time makes me just like, really? Yeah, this, this happens is... and you're automatically going to think she's going crazy when I know. Yeah. After all that shit you've seen. OK, it's like we <laughs> just, we went through this with Daniel in season three and like legacy with like Michello's weird bugs. You've been possessed. You've been put into robots. Like, this is the point where I start going, why is nobody believing her? Right. Yeah. Instead of just being like, okay, well, we believe you. It just appears to not be in your house anymore. So how do we proceed with that? (laughs) I mean, I guess doing a psyche eval is not necessarily a bad thing, but sort of combined with everything else that happens in this episode is a bit like... You guys go to other planets and encounter aliens as part of your job. <laughs> like, why Why do we need to keep reminding you of this? Why are you not believing her about what's happening? I don't know. Right. No. Um, but anyway, uh, so Daniel has figured out that the thing on 636 was actually, in fact, a weapon. Uh, so, yes, yeah, Jack, it's a big honking space gun. Uh, <laughs> Yay! Which Jack is like, yes! Uh, and so from the bit that Daniel's been able to decipher, basically these people were developing along a similar timeline as Earth, like technologically speaking. Then they discovered the Stargate and then the threat from the skies came, a.k.a. the Gould. Uh, they then built this incredibly advanced weapon to defend themselves. And Jack's like, oh, so it didn't work. And because, you know, the planet's in ruins and stuff. And Daniel's like, actually, it did and so Jack's like, okay, so, like, what happened to the planet? And he's like, well, I, I don't, he hasn't gotten, he apparently he just hasn't gotten that far yet in About that. translating the thing. So, mm-hmm. uh, cut back to Sam's house. Uh, Orlin is back and just after the cameras have all been removed, of course. Uh, he assures her she's not crazy, despite the psyche valve she just had at the SGC. Uh, and he kind of sympathizes with her as there were times on Valona where he thought he was going crazy. So Valona is... 636. Uh, mm-hmm. He then goes on to explain what he was trying to do back on Valona when she passed out. He was apparently trying to communicate with her, not not telepathically, because she kind of thinks it's bad. And according to him, it's more like their souls talking, like just communicating with each other. And even though it didn't really work, he did learn about her and says, uh, so Sam's like, well, what, so what did you learn? And he goes that you're a good person, that your heart is pure, and that on the inside, your spirit is as beautiful as you are on the outside. <sighs> I would not mind hearing that from someone who looks like him. No. Even if it but, was a creepy alien in my house. <laughs> I know. You kind of have to go, oh, yeah. just a little bit. Just a um, little bit. You can, just a little yeah. bit. Yeah. But Sam's kind of fed up with this whole thing because he's just like this weird star guy who just keeps appearing in her house. And she wants to call that Code 3 team back. He asks her not to. He wants to like try that communication thing again. She just Sam just needs to like open herself up to the experience. And he's like, if that doesn't work, I'll leave. So, okay, why not? So Mm -hmm. uh, Sam, you know, he tells her to like close her eyes uh, and he like moves closer to her and we start to see him glow Sort of like that Oma Desala glow from Keb. Right. I'm going to turn yes. on things. So it's like, ah, ha, ha. So that's what's happening ah, here. Ah. Um, and then we actually, there's a quick shot from outside. And you see just like this bright light coming out from like all of her windows and stuff. Cut back inside. Orlin like re-coalesces. And apparently it worked because Sam opens her eyes and just goes, oh, my God. So I'm very, very, very happy, though, as much as I love that, you know, romanticness of the scene i am so happy they didn't conclude that scene with like them kissing <laughs> yes <laughs> or, because they were that close and they were looking at each other like it but i am so happy they did not yes, yes. 
I will say that Amanda has apparently been asked at various times if Sam and Orlin ever did the horizontal tango. And mm-hmm. according to Amanda, no, it okay. never went there. Nope. So oh, good. Yeah. Just in case anybody out there is curious, that did not happen. No. Yeah. That would have been weird. Yes. But also fanfic. So do whatever you want. But <laughs> <laughs> imagine whatever you want in your own head. Yeah. Uh, so Sam uh, then arrives at the SGC and she's still in her civilian clothing and runs up to Jack with a clock that apparently still had a camera in it from the surveillance team. And he's like, maybe they left it behind. Uh, and she's not really buying that. And she's kind of going with the thought that like the SGC is like still keeping an eye on her. And Jack doesn't completely dissuade her from that notion being like, you're the only one who's seen this thing. Like, what are we supposed to do in this situation? Like we need something. Let me help you. Yes. Uh, She then posits a uh, hypothetical quote unquote situation in which the alien shows himself again and that she should then do her due do do her due diligence. Wow, that was very hard to say. <laughs> do her due diligence to get as much info from him as possible, right? And Jack's like, sure, yeah, why not do that? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yes. Question for you. Did you notice the door that Jack stops in front of? No. It's the bathroom. There are bathrooms at the SGC. <laughs> Oh, good. We know that far. Yep. Um, okay, so Wait, one of the interesting things... Was there anything special about the bathroom? Yes? Um, well, according to some trivia things I found on the internet, apparently that bathroom door is not up to ADA code. Uh, according, Apparently to be in compliance, the door should open inward and have a handle, but it currently opens outward and has a knob. Oh, so it was like a closet that they just said put a bathroom sign on yeah apparently that's actually the little office where the guy who makes the sort of like on-screen graphics that are like on the various monitors within the sgc that's where that guy works <laughs> so. nice in the bathroom yep. got it yep mm-hmm. i like it um Okay, so here, one of the most interesting things from the commentary is that there's actually a missing scene here, like a like a whole scene that got cut out because apparently the episode was like six and a half minutes long. Um, and so there's sort of two parts to this scene. Part of it is that Sam finds out that her psych eval actually came back clean, but no one told her about it. So that just kind of fuels her paranoia about still being under surveillance even more because like why did nobody tell me everything was fine right. um but then there's also a kind of like lovely touching bit between sam and janet where sam admits to like actually being interested in a guy and he's like really nice and like good oh, to talk no. to but it's like is he actually real question mark i don't know <laughs> so <laughs> there's a bit of like okay. a girl talk thing that you know well that's interesting then because yeah. Because we, you know, she never does actually say that she likes him other than that. Yeah. So, I mean, it, yeah, it would have been nice to get a little bit of, like, from Sam, how this. Sam yeah. actually, like, feels about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we cut to Sam's lab, and uh, she's apparently been ordered by Hammond because of the Pentagon to figure out how to make the weapon work now that they know what it is. And like Daniel's there with some more translations to help her figure the thing out. Um, And the thing is, she thinks she knows how to do this, but it's very, very, very dangerous. Um, Like connecting the NACWDA reactor should be easy enough to do to get just power to it. But to actually fire the weapon, basically you have to set the reactor to overload and then discharge it into the weapon, which would then fire and once the overload in the reactor starts, you can't stop it. So once you, like, start that, you need to, like, make sure you really want to fire the weapon. Uh, she's trying to figure out how to make that safer, like, some sort of buffer. So if something happens and they do need to stop, they can do that without having the Nequita reactor blow up. Because that would just kill everybody. Um, but she's not having much luck in, the like, the little time frame that she's been given to get this work done. And that makes Daniel a little uneasy about actually, 
you know, trying to fire it. And he would sure feel a lot more comfortable if there was someone who could tell them exactly how it works. Hmm. And Sam's just like, yeah, that would be helpful. Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. Uh, So Sam arrives back home and Orlin is there waiting and he's a little peeved that she's late because she was supposed to be home an hour ago. And Sam's like, this, this is not a relationship. Like this is, we're not a thing. I don't owe you anything. And how could I even let you know that I was going to be late? You can't pick up the phone. if I tried to call because you're not corporeal. And then he starts to try to claim that like things have changed and he's now like, fully human and corporeal again and she reaches out and like touches his shoulder and is like oh crap yeah <laughs> oh you, there you are oh yeah, okay uh then the doorbell rings uh it's jack and tilk uh and she like she, she first she goes to Orion like disappear and he's like i can't can't remember can't do that anymore yeah. so she, she kind of like shoves and shoves him into like this room that's like off the front hall like closes the door uh opens the door to one of the best tilk <laughs> Disguise outfits ever. (laughs) As Amanda called him in the commentary, is Honky Tonk Tilk. Oh my Uh, god. Yes. Just the cowboy hat, the bandana, the shirt that's got, does it have flames on it? I think just the whole, like, uh, I just want to know, like, did did Sam take him to Goodwill? Did Dan, like, who took this man shopping? Where did they go? And, like, what was Tilk being like? get me that like what I need to know how Till got his fashion sense because <laughs> it's amazing yes how did he make these fashion decisions anyway um yeah. so yeah so Jack and Tilk are there they've got like pizza and Star Wars which is apparently Tilk's favorite movie and apparently Jack has never seen Star Wars because you know how he feels about sci-fi oh. ha 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 ha. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Wink, nudge, nudge. Apparently, though, Richard Dean Anderson, also not a fan of sci-fi, so. Oh. Yeah. What the what? Yeah. I know. Who knows? How's that even possible? I don't know. I mean, you could, it, it is very possible to view Stargate as not a sci-fi show if you really want to, especially, I think, from the inside. He's like, this is just a military drama. <laughs> I guess. Okay. I don't know. Um, no. Yeah. Not having it. I don't know. She's she's like, you know, doing that thing where she's like the door sort of like half half open. She's kind of leaning on it, like blocking the view. And they kind of like get the hint that she has company. And Mm -hmm. Jack's like, okay, good for you. I didn't realize that was a thing, but okay. Um, so they leave her with the pizzas and oh, as they walk. She says something, wait, no, she says something about, like, I can, uh, understand how you would assume I have no plans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's like, I get why you understand I have no life, but. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then, uh, as Jack and Tilk walk back to the truck, we get one of my favorite bits ever in the Stargate script where Jack goes, so now what? And Tilk goes, I have read of a place where humans do battle in a ring of jello. And Anil and Jack just like tosses his phone to Tilk and says, Call Daniel. <laughs> I'm like, Can I please see that scene of the three of them in a bar watching women wrestle in jello? Because yes. I need to see that. That definitely should be a fan fiction. I'm sure I'm sure it is yeah um but the interesting interesting thing is as they drive away the camera like pans to follow them but then stops on a very ominous black van parked across the street from Sam's house Mm. Mm. someone else is watching maybe something what's going on Mm -hmm. Uh, so back inside Sam's house uh they're sort of sitting down to dinner which just seems to be a couple of french baguettes I don't know. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, why not? Who who doesn't love bread? And Orlin tells her, you know, everything that happened to him and on Valona and like his people. And she mentions that they met Oma de Sala, but he's never heard of her and says she must have been banished like he was for breaking one of their most sacred rules, which is do not accelerate the natural ascension process of those beneath. So apparently what had happened on Valona was that the people there were under attack from the Gould and he couldn't just stand by and watch them be slaughtered. So he managed to communicate to them somehow 
um, how to build and use that weapon. Uh, once they were successful, they apparently started to plot ways to take over other planets and, like, conquer them. Uh, the others of Orland's race couldn't let that happen, so they destroyed Valona. Uh, and Sam's and Sam's like, isn't that interference as well? And he's like, well, they were just correcting my mistake. So, okay, I did have one question though because okay. I don't remember whether or not this happened. Did they destroy Valona and leave, thereby leaving him alone, or were they all still there? No, they destroyed Valona and basically left Orlin there alone as punishment. So Orlin was basically alone on that planet for like 400 That's years. That's yeah. what I thought. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, but anyway, Orlin is now fully human, fully mortal again. And then we sort of cut outside as the conversation continues, like, in the surveillance van. And uh, so... Yes, Sam is still being actively surveilled, and basically all Orlin wants is a chance to see if there could be anything between them. Aw. So, okay. He's keeping boundaries. Yes. That's nice. Back in the briefing room at the SGC, we now have Mr. John DeLancey, a.k.a. Q from Star Trek, yes. as Colonel Simmons. Uh, who classically, is part of the- classically Q. Yes. He really uh, can't so- be anything other than Q. No, he really can't. He's, yeah, but he's he's very good in the Colonel Simmons role. Um, so, and he apparently is part of the NID, uh, and Colonel Reynolds is there as well, uh, since they're talking about turning on the weapon on Valona. Uh, Sam wants them to wait, and they're like, but you figured out how to turn it on. She's like, yeah, because I was ordered to, but I also mentioned how dangerous it is. Daniel agrees with Sam and Reynolds and Simmons kind of throw out various arguments about how dangerous just traveling through the Stargate is and that there are great threats out there that they need to protect from Earth. And, oh, this is this. This is this. This is it. Is this the, the Daniel yes, reaction? Yes, okay. I didn't write down. <laughs> I watched the quote. it let twice. Me, <laughs> let me let me let me see if I can find the actual quote real quick. Um, okay, so Simmons goes, need I remind you, Dr. Jan- Dr. Jackson, of the dangers that we're trying to defend Earth against? And Tanya goes, oh, could you go slow? <laughs> I watched it twice. I know. Oh, could you go slow? Please, please. Um, you say it slowly so I make, I, I'm, you can make sure I understand. It's like, yeah. <sighs> it's, it's so yeah. good. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Uh, Sam then, like, makes up something out of nowhere about a quote-unquote atmospheric weather anomaly being the cause for the destruction of 636. Uh, Obviously, that's not in her report because she's flying by the seat of her pants right now, but she wants to do further atmospheric testing to figure out what went wrong. And Reynolds like, yeah, of course we'll do that after we fire the weapon to get Mm -hmm. accurate results, which like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's been 400 years. I mean, sure, stuff stays in the atmosphere, but yeah. I don't really know how the atmosphere works, really, maybe. I don't know. And then, like, Hammond just, like, cuts off this argument, gives Sam two weeks to give him any additional proof of, like, what happened, like, why the planet was destroyed and, like, how it may relate to this weapon, and a very good reason to not run the test. And if not, then testing's going to go ahead. Uh, As they're all dismissed, uh, Simmons walks up to Hammond and tries to pull that, I work at the Pentagon, I'm in charge, I'm the one who says if this testing happens or not thing. And then uh, Hammond pulls out the red phone on his desk card. So, uh, point point Hammond. Love it. I love love that, I'm just going to say Q, I love his face too in response where he's just like, well, all right, damn it, he's right. (laughs) They did talk about that bit in the commentary about how uh, like John Delancey ended up playing a lot of stuff like not how they expected it. Like he wanted to like, even though he is a colonel, he wanted to not be in uniform to sort of separate him from the military a bit more. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that means like he's a retired colonel because I would think if he was still active, he would be in uniform. Yeah. So I yes yeah. So I don't know if he's like retired and is like working at the Pentagon as a civilian now at this point as part of the NID in the Pentagon. I'm I'm a little unclear. Sounds about right at this point, but I I think that sounds right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so back at Sam's house, uh, Orlin presents Sam with like a gigantic emerald like the size of her palm, and he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry. Is that too big?" <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, and he, he made it with stuff from around her house, which, uh, oh, oh yeah, she's going to need a new microwave. So. I love that. And I love how that's a running joke, too. Yes. Uh, and, and Sam's just like, uh, we need to talk, but uh, let's go for a walk to do that. Basically, you know, she lets him know about, like, the testing that's going to happen. And Orlin seems sure that the others of his kind, I'll just call them the others, would know if they fire the weapon and is then also fairly sure that they would try to stop them. And Sam then pulls the bow. We would only be using it to defend ourselves argument, which how can she really know that? And Orlin mentions reading up on the people who had created the atom bomb and how they only had good intentions. And, you know, look how that turned out. Mm-hmm. Uh and then Sam's Sam kind of seems surprised that he didn't like completely destroy the weapon. And he's like, I thought I did. I didn't think you'd figure out a way to like turn it back on. And like, you're very smart. And there's like flirting kind of going on as they're walking through this park. And, and she likes it. She does. And Orlin's like, why, like, why haven't you turned me in yet? Like, you know, he's fully human and corporeal. She could very easily just like take him to the SGC. And she tries to brush it off as just feeling bad about maybe betraying him. But he sees through it and, you know, she likes him. She likes that. And she doesn't say she doesn't. Mm. So Sam's got another alien boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) She's just racking them up. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, who wouldn't love her? So, my God. I know. It's, Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Cut back to Hammond's office. Apparently some time has passed, nine days apparently, and the testing is going ahead early, which Sam tries to be like, but you gave me two weeks. And Simmons like, you haven't been doing any testing. So also, what's all this stuff that's been delivered to your house? Which apparently there has been 100 pounds of raw titanium, 200 feet of fiber optic cable, and seven 100,000 watt industrial strength capacitors and a whole bunch more stuff. And she's like, not entirely sure she wouldn't notice. I know. It's like, did all that just get delivered like today while she was on base? Like, yeah, I don't know. But like, she has no idea what Simmons is talking about. And Simmons pulls out a photograph and is like, maybe this guy does. So (gasps) it's it's pictures of her and Orlin in the park. And she's like, you have been watching me like turn like turns to Hammond and says, you have been watching me. And he's like, not us. It's all of Pentagon. You can tell, like, Hammond's not happy about it. And he's, like, called the president about it. Like, why his people are under surveillance, like, without his approval and, like, you know, without him knowing, really. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack does also stick up for Sam, telling uh, Simmons that she was acting under his orders about, you know, trying to get information from this alien in the first contact kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And Simmons is like, well, all of this is a moot point because there's a special forces team surrounding Sam's house as we speak. It's like, oh, man. So now you're the bad guy we have to deal with. Okay. Ah. So they all get to Sam's house and like Orlin's not coming out. One of the things I mentioned in the commentary is like the one uh, like sort of tactical, uh, like the one, one of the, the, the main member of like the special forces team that they go and like talk to, to be like what's going on when they arrive on scene is actually like the armorer for the show Stargate. He's like their, their oh. tactical weapons expert. So it's cool. Unfortunately, that's not his voice because they couldn't get him in for ADR. So it's oh. somebody else's voice. But oh, that's funny. he like, got to be on screen. So that's kind of cool. Yay. So Jack convinces them to like let Sam go in and like maybe try and get Orlin to like come out and like get this all resolved like quietly and quickly and stuff. So Sam goes in, like the power's out in her house and Orlin's down in the basement and he's been busy. Uh, building a stargate in just in her basement you know as you do like you do like you do uh she's gonna need a new toaster though (laughs) (laughs) and there's the recall love it yep Uh, i love how calmly he says it too where he's just like oh you're going to need a new toaster yeah you're going to need a new microwave yeah they they did mention a few times the very again sort of like how john delancey was like what sean patrick flannery was doing was not what they expected from the the sort of the mannerisms and the the vocal quality, I guess, if you will. But mm-hmm. like once he showed up and did that, they were like, "Oh yeah, that, uh huh, yeah, we yeah. dig it, mm-hmm. yeah, we like it." So so this Stargate though is not a normal Stargate. Uh, it will only dial Valona, and it will only dial out once, and then we'll probably just not really explode, but it just you can't make it work again. 
Um, but like he has to go back and stop SG-16 from testing the weapon. Like he can't because mm-hmm. he's like he's pretty sure that the others will kill SG-16 if they yeah. do this. So yeah. uh, they're trying to get a hold of Sam on the radio, but she's not responding. So basically the special forces team is given the go ahead to go in. Orlin gets the Stargate active, says he hopes this isn't goodbye and like dives through the gate uh, we cut to upstairs where the team enters Sam's house. They, you know, go down and they get to the basement just in time to see the gate shut down. And Sam's not there. Uh, she followed him through. So they are now back on Valona with uh, some dark clouds ominously rumbling overhead. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see Orlin run into that structure where the weapon is basically just tackle one of the members of SG-16. That's him. Cut outside to see Sam running up as we hear gunfire. She runs in and is like, wait, he's with me. And uh, Randall's is like, he attacked one of my men. And you can see that, like, Orlin has been shot, but he's still standing. It kind of looks like it just, like, grazed his shoulder or, like, his arm a bit. Sam tries to get them to stop the test, but, like, they've already fired up the reactor. And you can see the weapon is, like, powering up. And, like, they can't stop it. It's, like, past the point of no return here. And Sam's like, yeah, we can't we can't turn it off. Uh, but Orlin has to try and stop it anyway. So he kind of dives at like the wires connecting the reactor to the, to the device. Uh, Reynolds unloads his gun at him, but he does manage to like pull the wires that are connecting the two things together, like apart. Uh, he is unfortunately fatally wounded, but the Mm. good news is that apparently the others are giving him another chance, and that means that he can save Sam, SG-16. So we see him sort of disappear into a ball of light, grab the Nakwita reactor, take it up with him into the sky where it explodes. There's then a very specifically targeted lightning strike that hits the weapon, making it explode. It has been destroyed. The sky starts to clear, and everyone is safe. And we have reached the end. And we don't know whether or not he lived. Well, he ascended again. I know, but he had a freaking Nequita reactor with him that exploded. Yeah, but he's, you know, non-corporeal, so I mean, I he know, just go through him, I guess. But Nequita reactor. Don't, we'll, we'll find out later, don't worry. I mean, this is one of the few things about the show that I actually do remember, so I know that we do get visited from him again, but it's just open-ended. Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah. I will say Martin Wood did like that last shot of sort of Sam. He kind of mentioned he wishing he had a crane so he could like pull back further to sort of see like the full sort of just like empty clothes of Orlin like laid out on the ground and that and sort of Sam being a little bit smaller in the frame to sort of get a a bit more sense of like melancholy Mm -hmm. from the the composition of the shot, if you will. Yeah. Uh, Final fun fact for this. Uh, Amanda Tapping won the Leo for Dramatic Series Best Lead Performance Female for this episode. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Which I'm like, yeah, I I can see that. Yeah, I ain't Hmm. mad at that. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. I ain't mad at that. I ain't mad at it, no. Please, Hmm. please, please give her all the awards. Yeah. Okay. Um, So the title, um, Ascension. So this is where we finally get the name for this thing and these beings, the ascended beings, this is where we finally get the name for this whole thing. Like the ancients are the ascended beings and yes. all of that stuff. There's only one uh, interesting foreign territory title. All of them are basically ascension except for German, which was the sacrifice. Oh, so I, was like, I like it. Okay. I like mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, final thoughts. I generally liked it. I kind of wish that there was a scene in there, though, somewhere about uh, Sam and Orlin talking about why he was still hiding in her house for that long. Like, I would have liked her to kind of have a place where she asked him, like, well, no one's going to. I mean, the SGC is fine. Why don't you like talk to them about you and your experience and what you're doing here and all this stuff? Like, at least ask the question. (laughs) Of like, hey, now that you're human, do you want to go talk to my boss? Or even I'm before sh- that. Yeah, that's true. Like, just kind of sure. He was yeah. there at least for weeks, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's been it's, it's a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So what were they doing every day? 
yeah. not having a relationship. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I would have liked at some point for her to be like, you know, it would really can... help if you didn't talk to just me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I promise, like, they won't hurt you either. Like, this, we can, mm-hmm. we can make it work. Yeah. 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 I can see that. Yeah. And have him be like, no, I'm here for you. I mean, they could have, you know, they could have kept it on par with the, yeah. with the romantic with the romantic this I'm like, no, I'm here for you. But yeah, I would have, I would have liked her to ask the question. <laughs> yeah. And then, but see, then the cool thing is she could have pulled that, do you trust me? And you'd be like, yes. And it's like, okay, then trust my friends. Ah, uh, yes. yes Which that would have been interesting. Ooh, true. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. There mm-hmm. you go. Mm-hmm. <sighs> All right. It would have been a whole different episode, wouldn't it? It would have been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, I like this one too. This is definitely one of my favorites from season five. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just anything with Sean Patrick Flannery is good in my book. Yeah, it's not, it's not bad. <laughs> no. No. So we like this episode. We like Sean yes. Patrick Flannery. Oh, yes. I was going to say, oddly enough, I also really like that movie he did with Sarah Michelle Geller. Oh, the like kind of magic one? Yes. Yeah. What was that called? Oh. Simply Irresistible. Yes. She's like a yes. chef, right? Yes, and somehow they never actually really explain it, but somehow a magical chef that mm-hmm. that her emotions end up in her food. That's right. Yeah, I think I've seen that like like once in like bits and pieces here and there. Yeah, yeah. it's mm-hmm. it's oddly very cute. It's one of the ones that I like to put on, you know, when you just need something in the background that's just like cute. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Would highly recommend. Okay. All right. Alrighty. Well, thank you everybody for listening. You can find us on Instagram at SG underscore rewatch and now on Discord. Check the link in the show notes or you can send us an email at woo. That's W-O-O-S-G rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for The Fifth Man. Bye. Bye. Bye.